Welcome to Oh No, Ross and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yeah, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher. And we're back with episode four. <gasps> Another episode four. Yeah. You pointed that out. That uh, Yeah. We had recorded. <laughs> made a Star Wars joke? We had recorded a Star Wars commentary episode for our donors. And now we're back to Amazing Facts. And it is also... Part four. This is a juicy one. We had one, to though. show up so you didn't have to. So you have to listen so that we have to listen to what? I don't know. We're starting out here on lecture number 17 out of the series. God, did we go to that many? Yeah, combined. At this point, I've been to 15. Uh-huh. But yeah, you were there for the ones that I wasn't there for. And each one of them was about an hour and a half on average. It's so Not long. including like all of the supplemental materials and after discussions and meetings. So we're cutting it down for you considerably. Uh-huh. Not that anyone's really been complaining. I All know. Right. But I mean, except for me. Yeah. There's just so much stuff. <laughs> um, speaking of how much work we've done combined, mm-hmm. y- the usage you just did made perfect sense and was legitimate. But it reminded me of the back of this ghost hunting book I'm reading that's written by three people who are like in their 40s. And it says that the three of them have over 10 years of experience combined. Oh, boy. That's not much experience. No. I was like, so you each have what, like three years? I have that much experience <laughs> in the paranormal. Does. Yeah. Alone. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm 33 and you're 34. Hmm. All right. Here we go. Uh, we came back on Saturday, January 28th for our 17th lecture. And this was a Saturday morning. This is the first time we had been asked yes. to come to the church on a Saturday morning. And boy, did we make a mistake. You know, I kind of saw this I coming. I did too. Why didn't we, we act fell into on this. our guts? We fell into this trap. I should be most embarrassed because I live just like five minutes away from this church. Okay. But it was a Saturday morning. And I'm thinking, oh. I've got to go to three lectures today. I was really tired. I was like, I just want to leave kind of at the last minute and Uh get there. But I knew they worship on Saturdays. This is their Saturday morning service. Everyone's going to be dressed in their Sunday best. Right. Their Uh, Saturday Saturday best. best. And yet I dressed down more than I ever had before. I used to, (laughs) I I would come from work and I would purposely think, okay, I'm going to this lecture later on. I'll wear a long sleeve shirt, you know, Uh look decent. This time I just wore like a red t-shirt. And so I show up and everybody is dressed to the nines. Right. I don't remember what I wore from top to bottom, but I do remember I was wearing flip flops. (laughs) So I just walked in and was like, oh, God. Yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, this is Saturday. This is their Sabbath. I probably should wear something nicer. But they had, other than the pastor, they had all been like fairly casual. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just thought, ah, they're just going to turn it up one degree. A blend in. Yeah. Yeah. Blend. No, 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 no. <laughs> they were dressed real nice. To their credit, no one gave us a hard time Not at all. about it whatsoever. No. In fact, Lowell asked me if I work out. I guess. <laughs> thought I looked... <laughs> Thought I looked built to him. God, these people love you. 
<laughs> and it's almost like you are the smartest man and the most handsome man and also the best built. Finally, people noticed I had this entire lecture series. I'd been showing up with this big bushy beard. Uh-huh. I'd grown out my beard because I knew, well, in Trump's America, I'm a Muslim. <laughs> so uh-huh. I was growing out this beard. Oh, you say that like that needs no explanation. In Trump's America, I'm a Muslim. Okay, moving on. <laughs> if there's a registry and they need to know where all the Muslims are. Yeah. You, you want to be sure. counted. Count so, me as one. Right. So that that registry can't be used again anyone. Exactly. It. So I had finally decided, all right, well, I'm going to shave it at this point. I had something coming up that I needed a clean face for. And we had shown up at the last one and no one had said anything about it. But then this Saturday morning, everybody was like, oh my goodness, where'd your beard go? I hardly recognize. So I'm not sure what happened there. Maybe <laughs> the last one? Maybe because it was the full light of day all of a sudden. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It was weird. And, oh, I was going to say, and you were all cleaned up, but you weren't. No, <laughs> I wasn't. Huh. Just came in wearing my civvies. Huh. Anyways, everybody greeted us with much handshaking, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's definitely part of the service. Yes, we got to experience for the first time like their actual Saturday service. Yeah, but don't worry. This was still part of the whole shebang. There was mm-hmm. still a full talk. The sermon was just another lecture in the series. In the series. Essentially. And it was a continuation of a previous talk, the Mark of the Beast talk, yeah. which is the guts and glue. This is why we're here. And that had been like one of the first talks was Mark of the Beast part one. So right. this was the long promised Mark of the Beast part two. Which is why you're there. Like you come to this so that you can find out, A, who's the beast? B, who's the Antichrist if that's someone different? Yes. C, what's the mark of the beast? This stuff is supposed to be covered in an hour. I'm in, I'm out. They somehow stretch it out over 21 (laughs) lectures. Yeah, yeah. So by the time it's a month later, (laughs) they're like, okay, finally, second mark of the beast talk. You're like, I am ready. Yes. Tell me. Yes. So they had their normal kind of Saturday morning service. There was a group of visiting missionaries that came up, a bunch of oh, uh, this was cute. people from the Philippines. And then said all their names. And Lowell said, don't they all look young? Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't hear sure. that. <laughs> it's just, it was such a, a Lowell line. Yeah, that was really fun because they all said their names as if we were going to remember 25 people's names. But also, they would say their name and the person next to them. So it's like, hi, I'm Carrie and this is Ross. Hi, I'm Ross and this is Denise. Hi, I'm Denise and this is Sally. Hi, I'm (laughs) Sally and this is Timothy. Hi, I'm Timothy. And (laughs) yep, yep, we get it. Uh, No need to say the person next to you. And uh, they had this whole interlude where everybody got up and you shake hands with everybody else. And there's a lot of happy Sabbath. It it was very sweet. Mm -hmm. So you get to meet everybody. I like it when churches do that. Uh, It was a good crowd. We were back up to a little over 60 people. And then there was also, there was like a prayer request moment and they wanted us to raise our hands if we had unspoken requests. And Uh, I remember this from some churches growing up where there would be this real emphasis on understanding that people would have these requests that maybe they'd be embarrassed to talk about or something personal. But yeah, there were about 15 people raised their hands for the silent request. Oh, and then he asked, well, how many people are rejoicing? And then many more hands raised. And they called everybody forward, like if you wanted to, to come forward and kneel and pray in the front. 
And like almost everybody went yeah, up there. Except for us. Except for us, yeah. And all put like hands on shoulders and stuff. And we had this sort of group prayer. I was just reminded at that moment. I, I think when I was a Christian, I lived a lot more like inside my head. I remember you writing that down to me. You wrote it in a note to me right then. Yeah, just because I, I think when you're constantly being questioned about like, oh, what, what issues are you dealing with? And what struggles do you have right now? I remember I just spent a lot of time thinking about these personal battles. Uh-huh. And I feel like that's just kind of gone away over the years where I'm just sort of busy like, oh, well, what do I do next? And hmm, interesting. I don't know. I'm, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about how beleaguered I am with the, the various setbacks of the world or mm-hmm. temptations or whatever. I do feel like my religiosity at a young age definitely triggered my OCD really hard at a young age. Mm. And that that's a fair point, too, where it could have just been because I was a teenager and someone in his early 20s at that time. Uh-huh. And I've just kind of matured since then. Uh-huh. But I definitely spent a lot of time just, like, worrying that I had done the wrong thing and begging God for forgiveness and... Uh, Hmm. going through motions of what I thought were atonement acts. Like, oh no, I thought a dirty thought about that person. You know, I wished them evil. So now I need to ask God for forgiveness for that. Oh, while I was asking God for forgiveness for that, I thought a bad thought about God. I thought that maybe he couldn't forgive me or didn't forgive me enough. Well, that was an evil thought. Okay, well now I need atonement for that thought. And it was just, you know. Okay, sounds like you had a very similar experience of living in your own head and just having these personal battles. Oh yeah, for sure. So that version of OCD is called scrupulosity. Mm. It's actually the least reported OCD. Interesting. Um, but as I've what gotten, if I report it, then I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> but as I've gotten older, like I still have an OCD diagnosis, but it doesn't interfere with my life very much. But as I've gotten older, the OCD is just redirected. Hmm. Yeah. But when I was younger, boy, it was all religious based. Fascinating. Yep. Anyway, yeah. so Nina was crying through this whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she had an unspoken prayer request. Maybe. Or maybe she was overcome with joy for God's forgiveness. That could be it too. Yeah. She got up and sang afterward. And uh, Dave had something really sweet to say about her afterward. <laughs> well, first Lowell was like, now David will introduce Nina. Now, David, why don't you tell us what Nina means? Oh, yes. And David's... I was going to skip over this, but... <laughs> okay, well, may I? Yep, you may. David's like, oh, I don't want to say. And Noel's uh, like, oh, come on. And he's like, no, I don't want to embarrass my wife. He's like, oh, okay. Finally, Dave <laughs> said, well, Nina means pretty eyes. Right. And I think he was trying to leave it there. Right. And I was like, no, tell everybody what you told me. Yeah. <laughs> so finally, when Nina comes up to sing, she explains like, oh, okay. Like when I first met David, I joked that Nina is an acronym and mm-hmm. it stands for no income, no assets. But it's not, it's not true. It's not true. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. And, and then Dave came up afterwards and he said, the first time I heard her sing, I knew I had to marry her. Because she sang like an angel, and she definitely has assets. You know, yeah, it, was, it was very she has sweet. She a lot of beautiful assets. Yeah. Indeed. But every time they would say that, I just kept hearing the word ass in assets, and I kept feeling like they were just talking about her butt. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well. So anyway, it was a beautiful moment for all of us. In the mind of Carrie. <laughs> so now we're ready for Mark of the Beast. Part two. And Dave told us that the Mark of the Beast is going to be our biggest test. Dun, dun, dun. 
Our first test in the Garden of Eden came between two trees, but this test will become between two ferns. Two days. Oh, <laughs> between two ferns. So <laughs> wow, that's not a very good or dramatic parallel. No, it's really not. <laughs> but it was spoken dramatically. So first, we look at the number six 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 again. And he lets us know, we look at Revelation 13, 7, the mark of the beast, the name of the beast, and the number of the beast are all different. At least the mark is different than the number, so don't get that confused. It's not going to be a barcode that says 666 that you get on your forehead and hand. And so first he asks us, what makes God's people different? What sets God's people apart? Oh, right. And I'm like, faithfulness. She kept whispering to me, he's going to say faithfulness. It's faithfulness. It's faithfulness. And then I wrote down, Ross really likes me leaning over and saying faithfulness at him after every rhetorical question. (laughs) And finally, David said, obedience. (laughs) Which, you know, is very close. It is. But it was a great uh, payoff after that setup. (laughs) Carrie just excitedly, faithfulness. It's going to be faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's totally going to be faithfulness. I can't wait. So he points to... I can't wait to be right. He points to patriarchs like Noah... And Abraham, they passed the test because they were obedient. Because Abraham almost kills his child uh, to satisfy What a thing God. to be obedient about. Yeah, isn't that... Ta- okay, so for people who don't know, people who didn't grow up in the church, God's like, hey, Abraham, um, here's the thing. You got to kill your son to please me. And Abraham's like, you got it. And then he like takes him up on the rock or whatever. And mm-hmm. he's like about to kill him. And then God's like... Yeah, they have to take like a, like a multiple day journey right. out to this place where they're going to sacrifice to the Lord. And his son's like, uh, you didn't bring like a, a lamb or ram, or, you know, the things we sacrifice, you didn't bring one of those. Abraham's like, mm, yeah, that's okay, let's keep going. Everything will become clear very soon. <laughs> right. And then when he's, like, about to kill him. The knife is in the air. And God's like, JK, this was just a test of your faithfulness, and you passed. Good job. Look, there's a ram caught in the thickets. Kill it. Are you kidding me? Like, the the lesson of this should have been, no, God, I will not yeah. kill my son. I should think that if God tells you to kill your child, as we have seen people say. In, Andrea Yates. Yeah, in, in present times. The correct response should be, uh, no, I don't worship a God who would have me slaughter my own child. Right. Do I pass now? Yeah, right. In fact... Earlier, I think it was in episode three, we talked about this. David told us, if you get a message that seems like it's from God, but it tells you to do something unbiblical, then it's not really from God. It's from a demon. Uh, Uh, So if God is telling you to kill when thou shalt not kill, shouldn't you be telling yourself, Major problems with this Abraham story. But when people say, as they often do, oh, well, but God didn't actually have him kill his son. He didn't know that. What I would say to you, good sir or ma'am, is that you should look at Judges 11, the story of Jephthah and his daughter. Oh, right. He was going to fight his enemy, and he asked the Lord to deliver them into his hands, and he said, if you give me this battle... I will sacrifice to you whatever comes out of my house first when I return. What a thing to promise. Yeah. The Lord helps him succeed in battle. He comes back and his daughter comes, you know. Running out. Running out. Hey, you're back. 
playing the tambourine. Hey, yay! So happy to see yeah, you, Dad. Yeah, that detail is so funny. She's got the tambourine. And he says, oh, daughter, why have you done this? I made a promise to the Lord and I have to keep it. And she's like, oh, man, well, that's okay. You got to do what you said for God, but give me like a month to go. To mourn my virginity. Mourn my virginity. And like, what? yeah, she goes out and she mourns and then she comes back and he does to her as he promised the Lord. He killed her. Yeah. God doesn't come out and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa that's okay. I don't need you to kill your daughter. I mean, even if you, uh, for me, even just the killing of the animals is like absurd. Like what God who's omnipotent isn't just like, you don't need to do this. It's fine. You don't need to slaughter a right. lamb just for nothing. You're not right. even going to eat it? No, if, you don't need that. If you are God and you make the rules, why? Why is yeah. this necessary to begin with? So they don't preach many sermons on Judges 11. Mm-hmm. Right. Anyway, the point <laughs> is. <laughs> it's like he set us off. Like he hit a nerve. <laughs> yeah. So by this point, the talk was over and Ross and I were still complaining in the pew. <laughs> yeah, we're loudly arguing with each other. <laughs> so anyways, we were told that there are two types of people, those who obey and those who don't. Uh-huh. And clearly we are not very obedient. But but right. this is going to be the big test is do we obey God and not get the mark of the beast or do we succumb and get the mark? So that's going to be the true test. And David says, OK, now in the Bible, it says that some of us will be on the sea of glass and some of us will be on the lake of fire. I would rather be on the sea of glass than the lake of fire. How about you? And I was thinking, I don't know, they both sound pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> sea of glass? Sea of glass? Uh-huh. Sorry. I don't know, I'm picturing like broken glass going up and oh, down. Oh, no, I'm, I'm guessing this will be unbroken glass. Mm. Still sounds pretty like risky. The world's biggest ice skating rink. That's sea of ice. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially the same. Mm-mm. No? Mm-mm. No? No. Aside from temperature? I don't know. Glasses made of sand. Okay. Anyway, I had a lot of problems with this right at the top. <laughs> All right, you tore that right apart. Okay, so then he tells us that there are two beast powers. We're going to look at the first one right now, and the next we're going to look at next weekend. And you and I looked at each other with like a ferocity that burned like the sun. Like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, this is not the end of the Mark of the Beast. You're saving more for another weekend? And I think also next weekend, I think one of us couldn't even be there the next weekend. Like, we had both right. just been like... I think both of us. Okay. We did not plan in advance for this to go this on This to like happen to us. So then he starts reviewing who the beast is. Oh, yeah. All the characteristics of the know. beast. Yeah, going over the characteristics again. Let's make sure you we know it's the Catholic know. Church. Oh, yeah. It's it's the Catholic Church. He reiterates that it's the church itself, but it's not its members, which mm-hmm. sounds right up top. And then you start to think like, what is a church except its members? What does that mean? Yeah, but he's talking about the hierarchy, the establishment, the right. people but in the Right. But then I start wondering, like, okay, so then at what point do you become evil? Is, yeah. like, is, is Father like, O'Flanahan part of the yeah. conspiracy? Does he join when he gets promoted is to archbishop? Cardinal. Yeah, right. yeah. Do you have to be archbishop or cardinal? Or like, When do you get the decoder ring? Right, exactly. Because I don't know. Yeah. That's this a good question. Seems like a breakdown in the system here. Then he lets us know that the Pope is a counter fit of God and his throne. Right. Oh, you know, I keep saying I want to go through and see how many Bible references he makes. Uh I did that. I went through all my notes, and I'm pretty sure I wrote down every time they gave us a Bible verse to look up. In one lecture, you mean? In a given lecture. For the 20 that I attended total, the minimum number of verses mentioned in In, a lecture- In a single lecture. Uh Was nine. Oh, 
Okay. Yeah. That's pretty light. The maximum was 40. Okay. Sounds about right. And for our statistics friends out there, the mode is 24 or 28. Okay. The most commonly appearing numbers. The median is 25.5. Uh-huh. And the mean or average is 25 per lecture. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. And I have a feeling the outlier of nine was probably the health talk we're coming up to. Oh, good guess. I feel like guess. that was a pretty light one. That was one of the light ones, but that was not the lightest. Okay. He tells us that no other church has reps at the UN or ambassadors from the US. Mm-hmm. I did not check that fact. He seemed really Just upset kidding. about the Pope sitting on a throne. Right. The throne was a big deal. Only God can sit between cherubim. Right. How dare Throne the being a fancy chair. And that the Pope considered himself a vicar of God, you know, like someone who sits in place of God on the earth. Uh-huh. Big deal. Blasphemy. There's a quote here. He says, the Catholic Church teaches that the Pope is Jesus under cloak of flesh. Not sure who that quote was attributed to. So here we get to the really exciting moment. Oh my moment. God, this this moment, you and I looked at each other for so long. Oh, we were so excited because finally we get to understand the meaning and significance of 666. And it's a doozy. Okay, so. No, hang on. Yeah. Just in case anyone's like, what's 666, what? If you haven't been following along. 666, you often hear referred to as the mark of the beast or the number of the beast. Right. But we don't really know why. We just know that it's in Revelation and it just says like the beast whose number is 666. And there's been various little pet theories throughout the years of people finding ways to turn whatever you want into 666. Like, Which is pretty easy to do. Ronald Wilson Reagan. Oh, each one of those has six letters. 666. Ah, that's a fun one. Yeah. yeah. That's one that I readily remember. But I remember hearing tons of them growing up. And even then I could see like, okay, this logic is being stretched so far. Uh, okay, D-O-N-A-L-D, Donald. Okay. Okay, J. Trump is six. Uh, poop. With a lot of O's in it. Donald J. Trump to poop is 666. I'm just as convinced. Yeah. Okay, so how did they describe oh, this? Oh, my word. Okay, you know that famous papal hat yes that sticks up and makes a little pointy poo the slide projector at this moment shows a photo of i think it's pope benedict wearing his big ornate hat on that hat are written the words vicarious philly day which is latin for vicar Vicar of the the son Son of God. god now if you give all of those letters... Yeah, take all the letters of Vicarious Philly Day and you ascribe Roman numerals... Give them their Latin values. ...to the ones that have equivalents in the Roman numeral... System. System. Which they all do. No, no, because there's ones that you count as zero. So like, There are? Yeah, you ignore the A, you ignore the oh, R, okay. you ignore the... <laughs> S, You're right. And you ignore the F and the E because those aren't Roman okay, numerals. Great. So we take those out. <laughs> <laughs> this is already so tortured. Okay. So you take the numeric values of the rest. So the V is five, but so is the U. The U is also a five. Uh-huh. C is a hundred. D is five hundred. That helps boost you quite a bit. You add all of these together. And guess what you get? Six hundred sixty-six. Six. Now, we look at each other with unbridled disdain. Just just like... Carrie's like, okay, okay, let's say, let's say if John sees this as a vision, what's he going to do? Like, wait, hold that. I want to see that hat. Zoom in. 
All right, I'm going to add this up. Hold on, angels. Hold on. That's 500. That's 100. Carry the one. Six, six, six. Yeah, I got to leave out that F and that R. And now, I don't know if David saw us or if other people were reacting the same way or if he can't even handle having to put forward this argument. Uh-huh. But even David was apologetic about it. He was like... Now, I know this isn't the strongest argument in the world, <laughs> but when you add it up with everything else, <laughs> it just kind of paints a picture. I wonder where he got that from. Oh, I know where he got it from. It's in the book you are holding right now, National, National Sunday, Sunday Law. Law. That's exactly where he got it from. This is a book that they handed out to us after this lecture, and it's a screed, really. It's It's from the wonderful. 80s, and apparently it's had many, many reprints. It's all about really a lot of the talking points from these lectures, but it's just presented in this kind of crazy exclamation point ridden screed. I was given six of those. What, what, why? Uh, to give to your friends? Yeah, because Lowell was, I, I took one and I was really excited about it. I could just, I had a feeling like this is going to be good. And Lowell saw how excited I was and he was like, do you want more? And I was like, yeah. And he gave me six of them and I gave one to my best friend Claire for her birthday. Oh, what yeah. a good friend you are. <laughs> uh, at the very beginning of this, it sets up just how horrible the world is right now and i see here a line i i circled it says crime doubles every 10 years and i wrote nope <laughs> that's not true Nope. also you'd have to disentangle it from reporting of crime i mean it, even if you found statistics to back that up the statistics would probably not mean what they looked like they meant mm-hmm. anyway then david says now we can take this too far and think the Bible is written in a special code like the Da Vinci uh-huh. Code. And everyone's like, ha, 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 Oh, of course, that would be taking it too far. What we've just said is totally normal. But if we did that, that would be silly. <laughs> <laughs> he also gave us another numeric significance of the 666. And that was that three is a divine number and that six is the number of man. And so three sixes symbolizes man trying to be like God. Whoa, say again? Three is a divine number. Okay. Three is a magic number, really. Oh, right, okay, right, because of uh, the Trinity, okay. Sure, and sixes are the number of man. Why? So, look, okay. Okay, sorry, Uh uh-huh, it's the number of man. (laughs) Thank you. And (laughs) if you have three of them in a row, that symbolizes man trying to be God. Okay, I accept it. (laughs) Good. All right. Yeah. Um, What? I see in my notes here, and good for me, I must say, I tried to find that inscription on the Pope's mitre, and apparently I could only find it in a random Q&A from a Catholic website. I don't know if it's really even on the mitre. Oh, yeah, someone asking what is it that it says, Yeah, and they were letting you know it's vicarious... Yeah, yeah. which I mean might be true. I'm not saying it's not, but it seems like that's the only place it even said that. So Mm -hmm. I even wonder if that's accurate. As you were saying, Dave asks us to ponder whether this is literal or symbolic, this Mm -hmm. mark of the beast. He says these questions, you know, he's a great public speaker. He's really good at like Mm -hmm. telling you with his tone which thing you're supposed to pick when... The content does not make it obvious. Yeah, there's never a true, it could be either this or that. Yeah. It could be this or that. Right. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, okay, that first thing. So clearly, this is symbolic. Right. Because 
Satan wouldn't be that obvious. Have people getting tattooed on the forehead, 666. Uh, like, uh, come on. <laughs> well, then everyone could pass the test. So it's going to be far subtler than that. That's how the It wouldn't works. be obvious, like what? Like Jesus coming through the sky and everyone seeing it at the same time around the world? <laughs> well, at that point, that's too late. I know. So Revelation 13, 16, he points at, and he says that it says the mark is in the hand in or your hand. in the forehead. Mm-hmm. And I looked at another biblical translation, didn't say that, so. Oh, whatever. Interesting. So he starts to then talk about why they used the forehead or the right hand. And actually, this was, I think, kind of a smart move. He said it's related to what the Jews do with phylacteries. Those are those little boxes that they'll put uh, right. on their forehead and on their hand that have... Contain the prayer scroll. Or it has the law inside of it. Uh-huh. And because it says in Exodus... 13.9, the law should be upon thine hand and between thine eyes. Essentially, it was them showing that the word of God is affecting their thinking. Uh-huh, and, and their doing. Yes. So he's saying essentially that's what the mark is, obviously. It's not like a literal mark. Obviously. It's, it's your thinking and your actions. Yeah. Okay, so we've gone into symbolic land now. And again, like, why is God putting it this way then? Like, why not just say, it'll be clear in your thoughts and deeds. Why would you say, it'll be a mark on your forehead and your hand? Let's say that's true. Generations of Christians have been hoodwinked and had the wrong idea and they're looking for the wrong thing. Why would you make your perfect word so obscure? Yeah, bizarre. For those who are really well-intentioned and want to do right by you. Now, as... David is saying this and he's going through his explanation. We've mentioned that Amazing Facts does a lot of the sort of Pentecostal shouting out amen kind of Mm -hmm. thing. And he's making this point and only two people said amen. And David actually said, I only got two amens. (laughs) (laughs) Is this microphone working? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then everyone's like, oh, uh, amen. Amen. (laughs) And he's looking at the fourth commandment. We've gone back to that again. Okay. And now we're finally getting to learn why there were two sermons fully on the sixth day being the Sabbath. Because Uh that is where God reveals his seal. His name, his title, and his jurisdiction is heaven and earth. Whoa. And he he goes What a convoluted piece of information. <laughs> and he even goes off on this aside talking about like, you know, look at all of you with your Apple phones. That Apple is Apple's seal, letting them know that they oh, created right. this phone. And he shows a photo of him branding a cow. Yes. Ugh. Here's what I have there. Disgusting photo of David branding cattle. What a piece of shit. <laughs> With the letters RC. And then everyone laughs at that, but then gasps at a photo of some graffiti. Like, here's here's (laughs) an animal animal being branded with no painkillers. People are like, adorable. Oh, a wall with paint on it? (laughs) (laughs) So we learn uh, in all of this that God's mark upon us is keeping a holy day. The beast will try to have us worship on a day other than Saturday. Saturday. Right. It goes against the Sabbath. It involves worship. It counterfeits God's law. All of that. And it involves government enforcement. So we'll be enforced Sunday worship. Dun, dun, dun. That is the mark of the beast. So the mark of the beast. Finally revealed. Will be... The United States of America, presumably, Mm -hmm. making everyone worship on Sunday. Yep. What? 
And apparently the Catholic Church will be behind this. Yeah, somehow. And they haven't done this already, and they're losing influence, but somehow they're going to be behind this. Right. And then David says, we don't have any conception how lucky we are to live in a country with religious liberty. Our president has just banned Muslim country visas. Uh Aww. The day before, (laughs) and we're getting like a religious liberty talk now. Might need to revise your talking point for this particular situation. (laughs) Right, this moment in time. So that's it. Now you know what to watch out for. So as soon as the law requires you to go worship on a Sunday, tell them no. Uh Uh-uh, not going to do it. Refuse. So he says you won't be able to buy and sell on Sunday. I'm glad we do this podcast, Carrie. Because now we've warned people. Yeah, no, this is your PSA. You know, when someone wants to brand your forehead or your hand with 666, be like, oh, that's totally fine. fine. No worries. But when they're saying you need to go to church, uh, on, Sunday. church on Sunday or we're going to throw you in jail, you go to church on Saturday. Go to jail and then worship in that jail on Saturday. Tell them Ross and Carrie told you to. Mm-hmm, that's correct. He says, this isn't currently enforced, but will it be? And everyone's like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So at this point, he outright says this will happen in the U.S. Mm -hmm. You won't be able to buy and sell on Sunday. This is where we get to this weird thing where they're speaking against all of this happening and yet at the same time acknowledging that it definitely will happen. Oh, right. Well, if you want Jesus to return, don't you want this all... To sort of hasten this? Yeah. Don't you want this all to happen? Right. But no, they're very anti-church and state commingling, which is awesome. Like he's totally right on when it comes to the church separation issue. Right, right. So then we start hearing about how Hitler started out slowly, which I'm not sure is even all that accurate. Yeah, um, invading Poland, you know, subtle. <laughs> well, it did come um, after a while. But yeah, the, the idea was that he showed us all of these small localized instances in Europe. You know, oh, this one year they tried to pass this one thing and it went away, but still they did that. And he supports this with Ecclesiastes 1.9. There's nothing new under the sun. I thought that was the weakest moment of scriptural support in the entire lecture series. <laughs> yeah, yikes. Really? You're just going to use that general principle, there's nothing new under the sun from Ecclesiastes, and yikes. that supports your point that yeah. we can expect more so Sunday worship laws? Everything is a season, man. Turn, turn, turn. He does point out, I think the most legitimate case here is that there are these blue laws that have been created since the early days of America and the idea is that you can't sell certain things on Sundays and like that's still true in New Jersey you can't sell I think alcohol or cars on Sundays uh-huh. and there's very Utah. oh really I think so yeah he said like a third of states still have some kind of blue laws on the book but the thing is a lot of those are going away uh-huh. so the case is just getting weaker every day for this right. being a thing maybe when Ellen White first was talking about this right that was a big deal but uh, she's the prophet of of Seventh-day Adventism. Yes, the founder and discoverer (laughs) and prophet. We'll get to her. Yeah, so then he says, now God might test you with a job that requires you to work on Saturday. And then he says, and we have someone here who stood that test. Gil. Gil Ricketts. Gil Ricketts, our best buddy. So Gil gets up and he tells us about a boss he worked for at, I think, an auto mechanic shop. He told his boss, I can no longer work on Saturdays because he had Mm -hmm. been studying the scripture and decided that that was the Sabbath. And his boss said, okay, but if you do that, you're going to lose your job, which I'm Pretty sure is religious discrimination, but I uh, might yes. be wrong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he could make a very strong case for that. Yeah. But anyway, so he lost his job and he says it was the best thing he ever did because now he's in the ministry. Yep. And I couldn't help thinking, well, wait, so does everyone just have to go into the ministry? Because you're going to have 
kind of an overwhelmed ministry. Oh, sure, sure. I don't see it as a Kantian imperative that now everybody needs to do that, but... Oh, me neither, but I just mean a better example might be someone who who does fight the battle through the law, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I was able to show my boss that that was religious discrimination mm. and keep my job, you right. know? Yeah, I, I think the, the base lesson here is that God will reward you for doing that and bring something about that's better in your life. Yeah. Whatever form that takes. Yeah. Not persuaded. So we are told that faith that cannot be tested cannot be trusted. Whoa, those both begin with T. Is it easier, Carrie, to give up your job or to give up your life? Job. Those are equally weighted options. I'm going to say job. Yes, oh, that's right. Oh, How did you know? Oh, I had a feeling. <laughs> okay, then he brings up what I would say. He tries to make this concession. And I would say this is a decent point to bring up. He says, now people sometimes ask me, now what if I just keep the Sabbath at home Mm -hmm. on Saturdays? I don't work. I study. I honor it. Mm -hmm. And then I still go to Sunday church because I like my damn church. Yeah, that's my hang. No. No. Bad. Bad, Ross. That is straddling the fence. Look, Carrie, you can't go to like a sports game and wear both the jerseys. Mm -mm. You can't put a flag for another country on your front lawn, but also put up the American flag. No, you cannot. Except that that people do that constantly. (laughs) (laughs) People do that literally all the time. (laughs) Also, I now want to go to a Dodger game and wear a Dodger (laughs) shirt and the other team's hat. And I think it would be delightful. And everyone would be like, that's so cute. Right. (laughs) You can't do that, Gary. You cannot do that. Kids are two masters. He said, then it's just going to look like you're not actually fighting this battle and you really want God to come back and not really know if you're really staking a claim Mm -hmm. on our team. He then lets us know about this Jewish man who was going to book a flight, was all ready to take that Malaysian flight that disappeared. Right. But then his travel agent said, hey, you're Jewish. You shouldn't be flying on the Sabbath. Let's find you another flight. You can leave later. Oh, no, it's okay. I mean, I don't really mind. But the travel agent insisted on this. And because of that, he was not on that flight that went down. Yep. Those kinds of stories just immediately make me think, what about all the people who did die? Right. But- he was rewarded for sticking he to his scruples. rewarded. So none of us should take flights on Saturdays? Right. That's the lesson of the... That's the lesson. Okay. But also, okay, this is a Saturday and you drove here. Okay, you drove here from Malibu Beach. Why can you drive here on Saturday, but that guy can't fly on Saturday? What's the difference? I don't know. Good question. Is it height? You can't reach a certain height on the Sabbath? Certain altitude? I don't know. So then we sang, stand up for Jesus, and it was time for the offering. And they passed around the collection plates. But Lowell very explicitly told us, if you're not a regular part of our worshiping congregation, don't give. Or you're not expected to give. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't need your money. This is for in-house members. And then he gave a long talk about cheerful giving and the decision is yours, et cetera. But I thought that was sweet. Yeah. And he did say, uh, this is not a knock at all. He did say at one point, like, if you have been coming and that's something you want to do, you can. Mm -hmm. But there's like no pressure. And as the ushers came by, 
by, they were going to skip us because we were on our own row. Mm-hmm. And uh, I give a 20. I believe I gave a five. So we contributed. Yeah, that's right. Cheerfully. Cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. Now, if I were listening to the show and I were a cheerful giver, I guess I'd hop on over to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate <laughs> and support this show and our, all our other investigations. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Afterward, we were going to have a potluck. I think you managed to get out of there lickety-split. Yeah, I forget why, but yeah, I couldn't stay. I was instantly surrounded. I was supposed to go back to my apartment. I was going to meet up with our buddy Spencer and show him VR. But they were saying, oh, you've got time. Just come and get get a bite. You need to eat, right? You know, uh-huh. come and join us for the potluck. And Jim's- That kind of reminds me of the Scientology, like, you're not important to your job, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, my goodness. This congregation is really good at putting the guilt on someone to, mm. to get them to stay, to participate beyond their comfort zone. So I texted Spencer, said, okay, I'll stick around for a little bit. So I went and I had some of the potluck and Jim and I got a... How was it? It was great. Yeah, there was a variety of spaghetti, a glass noodle dish, a lot of kind of Filipino dishes mixed in with others. There was a Ukrainian potato salad. (laughs) And I even kind of... Was it actually Ukrainian? No. Okay, because you're doing air quotes. Both David and Nina came to join us at our table later, and we had a nice little conversation before I had to duck out. But I complimented Nina on the Ukrainian potato salad, and I kind of said it with like a wink. Uh And she still said, oh, no, no, it's not actually Ukraine. (laughs) I know, I know. (laughs) Dave likes to... Talk about how you're Ukrainian nonstop. Everything you do is Ukrainian. Uh, So uh, one question I did ask Dave that time was I wanted to know if he identified John the disciple slash author of the gospel john who uh-huh. supposedly wrote the gospel of john i should say there's a long story there and john of patmos john the revelator who wrote, wrote the book of revelation. revelation if they are the same because uh-huh. that's one of those kind of rookie mistakes that a lot of christians make is they think those are the same authors well there's revelation. one thing linking them what's that the name john the name john yes that's about it. So anyways, he kind of failed that one. What did he say? He said they're the same. Ah, okay. And he also thinks that Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes. I mean, come on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. All our listeners are like, oh, yeah. Uh, 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 Come on. It was Kohelet. Come on. (laughs) This is not common knowledge, Ross, just so you know. Okay. Well, to me, that was like, eh, (laughs) Okay, got it. (laughs) So I ran off then. But I came back. You were, you were like immediately, you're like, uh, those are not the same people. You put down your, uh. your silverware. <laughs> you just leave. I ran You're off. like, is this potato salad even Ukrainian? Goodbye. I wish I had a cape to like fling over my shoulder <laughs> as I left. So I came back at six o'clock because there were two more lectures that same day. Cool. Jim was there as and well. And I couldn't be there that night. Yeah, yeah, you had something else going on. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Gil made a very funny joke. He said- Ooh! Ooh, he here said, we go. What happens when all the fog lifts in Los Angeles? Okay. Let's see. When all the fog lifts <laughs> in Los Angeles, I don't know what. UCLA. <laughs> That's <laughs> pretty good. Pretty cute. And then we had our five questions to review from It would have been great, though, if he screwed it up and was like, USC! <laughs> um, clap, clap, clap. Scratch head, clap. <laughs> no, he got it. Perfect yeah, delivery. Good. So we learned right there at the beginning that no one has the mark of the beast yet because it's not law yet. Sure. So there we go. We're all free so far. All of you can't even have the mark of the beast, even if you wanted to. Because there's no enforced Sunday worship. In any countries. Correct. 
as far as I know. I think they would have told us if there was. Well, assuming they're doing their homework. And David clarified. He said, I forgot to say, I do not support Sabbath laws. So he wouldn't want people to be forced to worship on the Sabbath, Mm. which I thought was awesome. And he said, a true Christian nation respects all beliefs. And I was like, right on. Cool. So this particular lecture was going to be on modern prophets. So that's exciting. Yeah. Oh, man. I wanted to be there for this. This is a rich one. This is juicy stuff. Okay. So we learned that Nostradamus was only 17% correct. I'd never heard that, but- Okay. Even that sounds generous. Okay. Nostradamus is uh, one of the old school prophets people love to talk about. Also, Uh, like his prophecies were so vague. Yes. His prophecies are like- a bird one time flew into a window and people are like, oh, that was 9-11. He also let us know that Benny Hinn, the famous faith healer, preacher, I remember reading one of his books when I was a kid. He had predicted that there would be this huge, massive event on March 3rd, 2003, but nothing happened. Whoa. So when we're talking about other prophecies, we can point out that they fail. Right. So he's talking about fruits of the spirit and these gifts, these spiritual gifts that are given and uses scriptural support for that and says that prophecy is one of those gifts and it's given to some and is still given to some. He uses tongues as an example. He says that for every gift, there is a counterfeit gift. Uh-huh. So for tongues, he says, I believe in that power, but the devil has created a counterfeit and that's people like babbling in tongues. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. So when we're talking about tongues, usually people think of like someone just, they're at a worship service and they just start going like, whereas in the Bible, it more indicates that someone lays a hand on someone else and they start speaking an actual language that they had never learned. Well, the Italian example that most people get to is Acts 2, 1 through 11. You have apostles speaking out to a crowd and everybody in the crowd hears the message in their own language. Mm. Whoa, that's crazy. So, you know, one or a few people are speaking and yet many different local languages are being perceived to the listeners. Okay. Okay, that's legit cool. That seems more like everyone who's listening got a special power, but anyway. You know, that is described in the Bible and that's rightly touted as, you know, a gift of speaking in tongues. He says then that this babbling thing that's so popular is Satan's counterfeit. And so I immediately get all upset and think, well, what about 1 Corinthians 14.2? That one's pretty clear. Ross is shaking his head from side to side in a I-know-better-than-you sort of way. David and I had a discussion about this by text much later. Oh, okay. Where we go back and forth. But I will, for now, I will read the verse Just in question. Just classic life experience where you're texting with the guy you're taking prophecy seminars from. Like you do. 1 Corinthians 14.2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. Oh. Booyah. Shit. Take that, David. Yeah, okay. He sent me like this whole pamphlet written by Doug Batchelor. I read it. Doug Batchelor tries to tap dance around that and makes the Bible say what it doesn't actually say. And And then it goes on. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Okay, that's all fine. But there is clearly scriptural support for... Glossolalia. Exactly. So we, Which is that babbly. 
Gook. So we move on, and he's letting us know essentially that there were prophets after Jesus. So he shows some scriptural support for that. Judas and Silas, there were four virgin daughters who prophesy. This uh, is so fascinating to me. When hmm. someone is willing to say there are prophets, but they are not a prophet, like David's not claiming that he's a prophet. Correct. So I don't know. This does make me feel like, gosh, you are such an honest, trusting person. Because you're willing to believe, gosh, that like that Ellen White was a prophet, that William Miller was a prophet, that Mm -hmm. these people are not fooling you, even though you can't find it in your heart to imagine that you're a prophet. Right. He does give us some guidelines that we can use, some litmus tests that we can compare them to, to make sure that they're speaking of God, at least. Yeah, I just... To tell the false from the true prophets. It does endear him to me, though, that he, that he trusts, trusts so willingly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. It must get so crazy making, though, to be like, is this person a prophet or are they lying? Is this person a prophet or are they lying? Oh, my gosh. I thought this was funny. At one point, he said, when you consider the 6,000 years of Earth's history, Jesus's three and a half years of ministry <laughs> is a really short oh, time. No! So he explicitly said 6,000 no! years. David. Of Earth's history. Say oh, it ain't so, no, David. David. That's wrong. The Earth is much older than that. It's yeah. 4.5 billion years old. You can compare like tree rings and go back farther. Oh, boy, David. Ice Come cores, on. David. Deposits at the bottom of the Atlantic. That's no There's good. There's so many indicators. That's no good. 6,000 years. 6,000 years. So we go through a- Imagine the people who were around then. Being shocked when the earth just grew under their feet. Mm-hmm. They must have been like, what the crap has happened? Because humankind was here then. In Genesis, when it's talking about all of the nations, it does mention Peleg, who was born in the time when the earth was divided. Oh, okay. And I remember when I was a literal creationist, getting really excited about that verse. Like, oh, this is when it happened. Aww. Like when Pangea broke up. So we do get, after many Bible verses, we get to the five biblical tests of a prophet. And you need to have all five. Oh, I can't wait. Okay, hold on. I'm going to write these down. Okay. Bible tests of a prophet. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, number one. One. Must confess Christ. Okay. Be a Christian. Got it. There's scriptural support for all these, but I'm going to spare you. Okay. Number two. You need to agree with God's law in the Bible. Agree with Bible. Number three, predictions come to pass. Okay. Sorry, William Miller, but okay. Mm -hmm. Predictions work. Okay. Number four, fruitful life and ministry. Okay. That's real vague, man. Yeah. Okay. Fruitful life slash ministry. Jim leaned over to me at this point and said, well, why do so many prophets get rejected and killed then? Oh, uh uh-huh. Good question. Five. Number five, has visions. Visions. Yes. Okay. And so he said, is there a person in the modern church who meets these criteria? Yes. Yes. William Miller. Ah. That's the first name he trots out. Uh, Again, for Miller's followers, God turned the disappointment into a great appointment. appointment. I have a doctor's appointment tomorrow. Is it a great appointment? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm changing uh, to Kaiser. So then we meet Ellen Harmon, who became Ellen White. Uh-huh. She had a vision. So this is, I think, the first- Oh, God, please tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Carrie loves hearing visions. <laughs> tell her your dreams and your visions. <laughs> We learned a little bit about this young lady, Ellen Harmon, who became Ellen White. She was uh, hit with a rock in the face when she was a student. <laughs> oh, no. She never got past the third grade. Oh, okay. She studied on her own. Mm-hmm. She married James White. 
and she lived to 87. Wow, that's some bare bones info, but okay. That's what I wrote down. Dave actually got to meet her great granddaughter, Mabel, in a California rest home. Oh, that's cool. And we saw a picture of the two of them together. And she remembered Ellen. She actually got to meet her because she had lived so long. She said she was so nice and sweet. She was a lot of fun, too. Okay, notable quotable. She is the most translated woman author in any language, 140 languages. Most translated. Okay, so translated into the most languages must be what they mean. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The woman translated into the most languages. I wonder if Mary Baker Eddy wouldn't give her a run for her money. Mm, That would be a fun thing to look up. Yeah. Now, who's Mary Baker Eddy again? She's actually the discoverer and founder of Christian Science. Discoverer and founder, you say? Mm-hmm. Ellen G. White's... Oh, her middle name was a G. Mm-hmm. Ellen G. White's <laughs> focus was on Christ. She wrote Steps to Christ, Heavenly Places, The Desire of Ages. We were told a few of the books that she wrote. The Great Controversy or something like that? The Great Controversy, yeah. That's the really well-known one which we both have copies of after she's a really boring writer is she yeah yeah well i tried to read some of the great controversy and it's just it's so hard to read. It's really? just so boring. Okay. Yeah. We both now have copies. Jim gave me a copy, and then they gave us this really beautifully illustrated version of The Great Controversy, which oh, I look okay. forward to reading. Oh, did you not get that? I got a copy of it. I don't recall it being beautifully illustrated. Oh, mine is beautifully illustrated. I can't wait to tell you, though, about Doug Batchelor's books. But anyway, go on. Uh, so Dave quotes her. I can't remember exactly what the quote was. It was too long for me to write down. But then he said, third grade education unbelievable. It's so interesting. We encounter that so much where Mm -hmm. people say, you know, how could 14-year-old Joseph Smith write, you Mm -hmm. know, all of this? How could he make that up? First of all, he wasn't 14 when it was written. I don't Uh know why they keep saying that. But uh, anyways, it was kind of the same thing with there's no way she could have made stuff up. You know, obviously she was inspired by God. Right. Because she only had a third grade education. And look, her prophecies come true. In 1864, she predicted that tobacco was bad. She said it was poison. No one knew at that time. Everybody thought it was totally legit. In 1902, she predicted San Francisco and Oakland would be like Sodom and Gomorrah. And what happened in 1906? Huge earthquake in San Francisco. And they were rebuilt and they're doing just fine. But it would be like Uh Sodom and Gomorrah. So Uh she was right. She also predicted the rise of the Vatican in great controversy. Oh, so that's where this is all coming from. Oh, yeah. So what years was she around? She was a follower of William Miller. 1827 to 1915. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I can see the Catholic Church would have been a lot more powerful in the U.S. Oh man, can you imagine what the Seventh-day Adventist reaction must have been to Kennedy? (laughs) Not good, man. And then nothing really happened. Yep. Smithsonian listed her as one of the 100 most significant Americans. She had 200 plus visions. Yeah, I've seen more than 200 things. At this point, we're full on. We are Seventh-day Adventists. We love Ellen White. You know, cat's out of the bag. And he still won't admit it. (laughs) But, you know, the cat's out of the bag at this point. Right. And so they let us know. Now they're just talking about how great the Seventh-day Adventist church is. He said, we have over 5,300 elementary schools, 2,296 secondary schools, 115 colleges, many hospitals. And he's looking at Ellen White and he's saying that she even had a simple grave. She did not seek riches. That's not what she was in for. She was in for Jesus. Uh-huh, good. One remarkable woman. One remarkable lady. A real dynamite gal. And then he was just reaching. He said, doctors would put a mirror or a spoon next to her nose and mouth when she would have her visions, and there was no fog on them. 
So she was dead? Is she that the implication? She wasn't breathing. Yeah, she was dead. Something like that. It's like George King. People <laughs> should go back and listen to our Aetherius Society episodes. Yeah. Or Self-Realization Fellowship and uh-huh. Paramahansa Yogananda. Yes. He both, would also use tricks like that. Right. Both of the leaders of those groups claimed to die, quote unquote, die as they had their visions or their trances where they were getting messages from the great beyond. Okay, Miss Cynic. How do you explain this? She once held a 16-pound Bible for 20 minutes. What? She held it? Yeah, she held it out, like perpendicular to her body. And, you know, she was just a little old lady. That's superhuman strength. That's not easy to do. Yeah, okay. Um, You don't sound impressed enough. uh, Moving on. Okay. So Dave said that he used to be anti-Ellen White when he was a teenager, but now her words... Oh, God, this. Her words and books helped him understand (sighs) the Bible better. It was anti-Ellen White. How specific is that? (laughs) Just like Gil was an evolutionist. I know. It's always like, I used to be an atheist. I used to be an evolutionist. But now it's like built up credibility. Like Kurt Cameron, he said, I used to be an atheist. Yeah. But that's obviously like, I grew up in a Seventh-day Adventist family for like four months. I Mm -hmm. was like, maybe I don't believe in Ellen White. I'm a rebel. And they were like, and they was like, never mind, I do. And now, you know, 25 years later, (laughs) he's still like, that's right. I used to be anti-Ellen White. Yeah. He says that she brings him closer to Jesus, and then we got a really loud, amen. Amen. So then we learned that God has this this whole plan. Jeremiah uh, 29, 11. <laughs> right. So there's like two prophets involved in this plan. Prophet A is given a message of judgment, but it's not for the present day. It's like something coming in the future. Number two, the message involves a prophetic time period. Number three, God raises up prophet B has the same message, but now at the end of that time period. Number four, the message is present truth then. Number five, prophet B. So it's kind of like the voice in the wilderness kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, John the Baptist could very easily be seen as, I would say, the precursor to Jesus. Right, exactly. And so then prophet B is instrumental in calling out a remnant. So we learn that Enoch was prophet A to Noah's prophet B. Abraham foretold Moses. Jeremiah set it up for Ezra and Nehemiah. Daniel predicted John. But Daniel also predicted Ellen White. I thought he was going to say William Miller. Yeah, me too. Because the time doesn't seem quite right. But he said she is a direct fulfillment of God's pattern and the 2,300 days of Daniel. Huh. That's what I said. Huh. Huh, great. You can go to whiteestate.org or ellen-white.com. Oh, I know Carrie's getting excited now. You can read all her works for free there. And he gave us a friendly warning. Carrie, is everything you read on the internet truth? Yeah. No. Oh, no. no. Good. No. Fake news. So he let us know there's going to be a lot of critical stuff out there. And you need to just keep in Ignore mind it. that that's what the devil's going to do. The devil's not going to sit idly by. And so there's lots of attack websites about Ellen White. Mm. You don't have to drink a whole quart of milk to know that it's sour. What? I don't what? You don't have to drink a whole quart of milk to know that it's sour. Oh. See, you get a little bit and you'll be like, this doesn't taste right. You ignore those attack websites that tell you bad things about Ellen White. That she was like a plagiarist or anything like that. Oh, I see. Interesting. You know, actually, I don't know what all these negative things are about her. We need to go look for them. Let's find out. Yeah, like do a search for Ellen White Great Controversy. That should bring it up. (laughs) (laughs) He said, it's okay to be skeptical. I would be too. People are skeptical of other prophets. But don't read anything critical about her. (laughs) Uh 
but we have to pick and choose the things that lead us closer to Christ. I love there was this quote there. We are the generations that will see the mark of the beast in the end. We are the generations. I mean, how far does that extend? She died in 1915. Yeah, forever. So he gets up, he prays, and asks God that we will all give Ellen White and other prophets in the Bible a serious look. And then we get like a 10-minute break. Yeah, you know, I'm only looking at her Wikipedia, and uh, so I'm not standing by any of these claims because I haven't looked at the original sources. But at least her Wikipedia says that a guy that she treated as like her son left the church and then wrote a book about her that was critical. And he said that she had a combination of hysteria, epilepsy, catalepsy, and ecstasy, and that her visions were merely the result of her early misfortune. Hmm. That, yeah, she plagiarized... Apparently, she also claims that masturbation could lead to death. I'm still alive. And in her book, Spiritual Gifts, she has a quote that some people have said is racist. I'll just read it to you. Okay. Every species of animal which God had created were preserved in the ark. The confused species which God did not create, which were the result of amalgamation, were destroyed by the flood. Since the flood, there has been amalgamation of man and beast as may be seen in the almost endless varieties of species of animals and in certain races of men. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty racist. But look, Charles Darwin was the real racist. Oh, great point. Yeah, I love and that also means evolution isn't true. Right. I love how he pointed that out in A. It was a mischaracterization of a subtitle of the origin of species. Ah, uh, right. And then like he doesn't point out that Martin Luther, you know, who's such a great guy, was like virulently anti-Jewish uh-huh. and wrote a tract called On the Jews and Their Lies. Right. We could use that same logic and totally disregard everything he said. Also, Charles Darwin was making a scientific claim, not a moral one, whereas the other two are making claims about morality and ethics and divine knowledge. These are very different. Absolutely. Well, is everything you read on the internet true? Yes. All right. So we came back for our third lecture of the day, Door to a New Life. There was a quartet that played Blessed Assurance, did a great job. Uh, Jesus is mine. That one? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. So we start with an important question. How many people does Jesus want to save? All of them. Everyone. That's right. Very good. I'm glad it wasn't 144,000. <laughs> that would be awesome. So he said, don't believe in predestination. That's That was the, the point of that. That was it? Okay, bye-bye, John Calvin. (laughs) Right. So he shows us that in 1 Timothy 2 to 3, it says that God will have all men to be saved. And I bet a few ladies, too. Sure. Thank you. Thanks for letting me in. And so we learned that there are three steps to eternal life. One. Be taught. Be taught like a rope? No, taught is in education. Have a a (laughs) six-pack. Learn that it is imperative for you to confess your sins and all that. Okay. Number two. Believe. Okay, be taught, believe. Number three, turn away from your sins. Okay. There you go. Three steps be of taught, eternal life. Believe, turn away from your sins. It's a lot like the things we learn in like the sinner's prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, we learned from the last Amazing Facts episode that eternal life is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So this is the way to 
make sure you get it. Now, what happens, though, if you do all those things, but then you worship on Sunday? That's not good enough. You just got the mark of the beast. But you just said, I only need these three things. Why isn't there a fourth thing? Look, worship don't try to get all consistent on me, okay? Oh, I just so told I guess you they the would three. just say that's part of the belief. If you really believe, mm-hmm. then you would want to act on it by doing it. Yeah, they always sneak those in. You know, number three was turn away from sins and ah. not keeping the Sabbath holy. That's, that's a sin. That's a sin. And you know what? Good point. Breaking one of the laws. Is like breaking all of the laws. You've learned a lot. Thank you. Number one, <laughs> be taught. Six pack. Got it. All right. Yeah, we got that far. So then we talk about baptism and what it symbolizes. Oh, man, I have written in here that the old white man yells out. Oh, the guy with the gold suit? Yes. Well, yeah, he wore different things, but you know exactly who I'm talking about. Yeah, one time he wore like a very shiny head-to-toe gold suit. Bald head. I wrote here, old white bald know-it-all man. That's right. Ejaculates. The death of the sinful man in rebirth. I I can't even remember what his whole long rapid phrase was, but we haven't, I don't think we've talked about this guy yet, Uh, but he would go to a lot of these lectures he would sit toward the back, and every now and then he would just burst out with this answer, and he would talk over everybody and everything so that he could say his long, perfectly correct answer. And so he had this really long phrase about exactly what baptism symbolized. Uh-huh. David would start to like kind of say it himself, and so he would say it again and louder, the old white man in the back. This is all the time he would be interjecting something. It was, yeah, guy's annoying. So at this point, he walks us through baptism essentially and salvation i just got a picture of him walking you all through like a baptismal (laughs) font which they had in the back they had one of those little cutaways behind the altar that you could tell had a pool behind it i think everyone's mostly familiar with that whole concept but he walked us through all the the scripture for it i loved at one point he read us jeremiah 13 23 can an ethiopian change his skin or a leopard his spots oh doesn't age well does it (laughs) no it doesn't fun fact did you know that moses married a black woman i did not yeah he had a cushite wife and miriam and aaron actually got really mad about that Uh yeah that's where she was from Um, an incident of racism in the in the good book yeah we learn about the difference between flesh and spirit and how you need to let the spirit win flesh goes for things like gambling or smoking or drinking he was like soliciting ideas from the audience someone yelled out music and then the old music and he's like well yeah that's true uh definitely there are types there are types of music that can lead us away from god and uh, the old white man yelled out pornography (laughs) but the spirit that's all about and then people could come up with like uh bible prayer singing and that was like it like nobody else (laughs) <laughs> no one else can think of it. Saturday. So it sounds like the flesh has a lot more fun. Yeah. Most of this is rote stuff that we've all heard before. The Greek word baptizo means to dip or immerse. And they kind of lay it on pretty heavily that you're supposed to fully immerse in the water. No sprinky sprinky. Exactly. Yeah. There's all these namby pamby churches out there who just sprinkle you with water. No thank you, Catholic Church. Uh, no thanks. Since the 12th century, the Catholic Church uses baptism by infusion. Not good enough. Oh, it's more convenient? Psh, we don't need convenience. Mm-mm. We're going to do baptism the way it's supposed to be done. One thing the Seventh-day Adventists do and Mormons do and a lot of churches do, but not all that I stand behind, is they do baptize people who are old enough to choose to be baptized, mm-hmm. which I think is legit. I think I, baptizing babies is weird. Yeah, actually, I think Dave makes a, a case here for like waiting till people 
are old enough right. to speak for themselves. But yeah, a lot of doctrinal disputes over the ages and church splits have been over baptism. And that's right. why we have the Baptists and the Anabaptists. Uh-huh. It's all over the, that whole debate about whether you can baptize children, for but example. But I'd like to make an argument that okay. if you baptize babies, you should be the babytists. And he says it's okay to skip baptism if someone isn't physically able, but that's really rare. Okay. So he gave like one or two examples of that. He does warn us, pro tip from David, if you are a minister, don't use a live mic when you are baptizing someone in the water. He told us a story of a minister who dropped the mic. Oh, boy. And died. Oh, my God. Yeah, from electrocution. Jesus, that was a really powerful mic. <laughs> right. It must have been like the 70s or not a true story. Or he had a pacemaker. Or I guess if there was like a live wire, mm-hmm. if there was an exposed wire in there. Oh, maybe. yeah, maybe. Oh, he says, maybe you were a baby or you didn't know what you were doing. It's not about the act. It's the symbol. The change has to be inward. Okay. I mean, I buy that, but then why do you have to be submerged if it's just about the symbol? Right. You know, he does address that. He says, was the thief on the cross next to Jesus, was he baptized? Yeah. No. Yeah. Old white man yelled out, there was no opportunity. And like someone else tried to like answer and he's like, there was no opportunity. Goodness. There was no opportunity. These are too long for shout outs. Exactly. He'll shout out a two sentence phrase. Right. (laughs) So at this time, they handed out a bunch of decision cards and it says, my decision for Christ. And there's five radio buttons here that you can choose from. Mm -hmm. The first one says, I want to be truly committed to Christ. Second one, I want to be baptized the way the Bible teaches. Number three, I have been baptized but would like to be rebaptized. Number four, please pray for me. I need help in solving a problem. Number five, I would like a personal visit. Okay, it's nice. And then there's a spot to put in your home phone number and your name. So uh, Jim and I, we did not fill out our cards. Yeah, I can tell because you have it there. I have it here and it's blank. It was very awkward because they come around to like grab them from everybody and we're yeah. like, oh, no, it's okay. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. Awkward. There were a couple times where I was with Jim and he gave his to me. He was like, do you want to keep this? And I was like, oh, I see what you're doing. Uh-huh. Now you don't have to be holding one. Clever. And I have two. <laughs> That's probably why I had two of each. Ah, uh, yes. I think Jim did the same thing to me. Here you but go. No, you do I a mean, podcast. Have yeah, extras. exactly. I mean, it's, it's a reasonable thing. So then Gil prayed at the end and we were done. We walked out. They had pizza for us, as they often do. The best pizza in Burbank, Domino's. And uh, yeah, I walked up to the old white man because, you know, I'll be honest, for a moment I thought maybe he's an older Doug Bachelor. I thought, like, did Doug Bachelor show up? Ah, Who's this guy? Doug he, Bachelor, founder and discoverer of Amazing Facts. facts. <laughs> right. And I thought, it kind of looks like him, but maybe age progressed a few years. I talked to him and he said his name was John. I was like, oh, okay, well. And you were like, did you write Revelation? <laughs> 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 and uh, so I was like, oh, shoot. Well, now I'm talking to him. And uh, <laughs> look what I did. Yeah. Like, there wasn't any nice way to kind of say what I really thought of him. Uh-huh. But I was like, oh, it seems like you know quite a bit. He uh, told me that, yeah, he's already a Seventh day Adventist, but he likes to hear what they preach at these amazing facts talks. And he likes to preach alongside. Oh, from my the goodness. View. Oh, he's so annoying. And then he kind of scolded them. He said, like, well, they shouldn't be serving pizza because Ellen White says that there is no eating four hours before sleep. I said, well, Uh I stay up pretty late, so I think I got another good four hours. 
He said, well, also, she says not to eat cheese. Mm. And I'm a 30-year chiropractor. I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> and he started giving me all of this like health advice. He's like, well, you need to be eating lots of fiber. You should be cutting cheese. You should be cutting meat. And then you'll get healthy. And your arteries will clear up. Eh, this isn't bad advice. Sure. But not advice you asked for. Uh, yeah, like I'm kind of <laughs> nodding and, and smiling. Uh-huh. And, and Jim's come joined us. And we're both like, well, okay, well, thanks. We're yeah. going to go eat pizza now. Right. In other words, like I'm disregarding everything you just right, said. Right, right. I'm going to go <laughs> eat the free food politely presented before me. <laughs> right. Then Dave came over and talked to us for a while. This time, we'd already taught him about Uber. We taught him all about Airbnb. He wanted to know how that works. Okay. And Jim was recommending Airbnb to him, something he could do with his own house when he was on the road. Cool. And that was it for day 14, lecture number 19. You know, speaking of getting a good night's sleep. Oh, yeah, getting a full night's sleep. Well, first of all, I know you're supposed to wait four hours after a meal. That's what Ellen White says. Oh, yes, very interesting. But you know what else Ellen White says? She says that Ono, Ross, and Carey is supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. This sounds like a grade A prophecy. I know. They actually offer an obsessively engineered mattress at a shockingly fair price. She is so right. I also heard that Casper mattresses feature supportive memory foam for a sleep surface that's got just the right sink and the right bounce. Yeah, and actually they have a risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper for 100 days. and That's a really cool part. Yeah, I know. It's really nice. You get them to deliver it to your house. You've had this done. They show up, and then you get to try it out, determine whether you like it or not. Yeah, you can send it back if you You don't. Send it back, No big whoop. And that's the thing with mattresses. You want to make sure it works well for your body. Right, because you never know. You get that opportunity. And it's free delivery to the U.S. and Canada. Totally painless returns. So you don't have to do all that crazy lifting of the mattress. Yep. And it's it's fairly light for a mattress. And the mattress shockingly is, light. Yes. Shockingly. That's correct. And the mattresses are made in America. And there's actually a special offer for listeners to our show. Yeah, it's already a good deal, but you can get fifty dollars off your mattress purchase by going to Casper.com slash oh no O H N O and using a promo code. What would that be? Oh no. Ah. Use that at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. But they're pretty good terms and conditions, I'd say. Indeed. All right. We are back. The next day, it was it was you and me uh-huh. at the church, and we were told we're in it for five more lectures. All right. Which ordinarily would sound like a long time. Yeah, but- But it's now starting to sound like, oh, this ain't no thing. For, <laughs> for lecture 20, we're like, okay, there's an end in sight. Yep. Right up top, we get our pop quiz where they go over the things that we learned in the last mm-hmm. one. Guess who leads it this time? Gil. Gil Ricketts. Gil Ricketts. And boy, is he hamming it up. Oh, he sure is. Because he's new to this. He's still kind of learning the ropes of teaching Amazing Facts seminars, and I think he really wants to prove that he's great at this. Uh-huh. So like for every single one, he has like a prepared joke. Uh-huh. Oh, man. Yeah, I wrote here, he's so funny, smiley face. Oh, <laughs> that's sweet. It wasn't tied to any observations. Just, <laughs> I like Gil. <laughs> Dave comes up after him and he says, I really like your voice, Gil. Me, I've got a face for radio. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then and you and I like kind of giggle. And then he said something like, uh, that's a thinker. Think about it later. Because I think he didn't get much of a response. Dave's a good looking guy. So. Oh, yeah. For sure. That's a silly talk. Dave had a moment of candor here. He said, some have asked why we didn't say how many lectures there were at the beginning. 
Well, for one, we couldn't have fit them all in the brochure. (laughs) (laughs) And then for another, we didn't want to overwhelm you. Uh, Okay. We did say there were over 20 topics. Uh Uh-huh. But you did not imply that it was over 20 talks. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So essentially, they were saying, if we'd been honest about this, no one would have come. (laughs) Uh, Also known as a bait and switch. Oh, we've got another bait and switch. (laughs) Sorry, David. A trio comes up and sings. Mm -hmm. So then David comes up and he says, all right, everybody, does God want us (laughs) to to be be healthy? healthy? And a man in the crowd says, definitely. Oh, yeah. No, old white man and everyone else says, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, old white man. I know his name now, but I'm still calling him that. I think that was the first time that I was aware of him. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I'd been annoyed with him for many a day now. Huh, okay. We're exposed to a verse in Exodus, Exodus 15, 26, where God promises not to bring disease Mm -hmm. on the faithful. Holy crap. Yeah. This is a load to bear. So if you're not healthy, you haven't been faithful? Yeah, this is quite an implication. So he tells us that Orthodox Jews are healthier than the average person if Mm -hmm. they keep the dietary habits of the Torah. I wrote here, old white man continues shouting out answers at sentence length loudly and obnoxiously. I think he's really Mm -hmm. getting on everybody's nerves at this point. Oh, yeah, for sure. So David asked what Adam and Eve ate in the garden. Mm -hmm. And that's when the guy you're calling old white man, I I called him man in gold suit because he's wearing a gold (laughs) suit, called out Genesis 129 in full and got shushed. By Lowell. <laughs> yeah, Lowell had to come over and like talk to him. And you could hear them kind of bickering. Because like, well, I'm just, I'm giving the answer. Right. He said, he asked the question. I'm answering. <laughs> and then David reads us Genesis 129 in full <laughs> so we can all hear it clearly. And we learned that they were to eat every seed and every fruit. It was a vegetarian diet. It's a completely vegetarian diet. And God tells us specifically not to eat blood in Genesis 9, 4. Mm-hmm. And people only started eating meat after the flood. Right. Yes, and then the dread of you shall be on all living things. But it does say not to eat the blood with the animals because blood is life. Right. Some weird ancient blood magic stuff going on. Right. And he let us know there's a Maasai people and they drink blood and they only have a life expectancy of 42 years for men and 45 for women. Ah. So that shows you what drinking blood will do to you. There you go. Not I'm sure that's for, all we need to know. Not good for the body or belly. Yeah, I'm sure those are all the relevant details. <laughs> I've already been excited for this talk. Because, oh, yeah. Hey, I've been a vegetarian since I was four. I've been vegan since I was 19. Right. This is my jam, pun intended. That's right. So I'm excited for this. And David and I had had a conversation about my vegetarianism early on. Yeah. Where, you know, I tried to get him to admit that he was a Seventh-day Adventist and he wouldn't. <laughs> but I said, uh, well, I've been familiar with the Seventh-day Adventist for a long time because yeah, yeah. of their vegetarianism anyway you know i'm like oh this is gonna be the talk man all right but then we start talking about clean versus unclean animals so the clean animals are the ones that you can eat and the unclean ones are the ones that you can't if you must so clean ones there are more than two of them on the ark they have a split hoof and they chew their cud and he asked us was noah jewish no so this is for all humans not just israelites Okay. And the unclean, there were only two of them on the ark, and we must not eat them. Now, we kind of went back and forth on these details, but the implication was basically like, well, not even implication. I think they outright said it. It's best if you just don't eat animals at all. But 
if mm-hmm. you know temptation strikes at least only eat the clean ones yeah that was the overall observation so there's god has an acceptable diet and then he has a preferred diet dave asked us at this point do you know what hunters call these cloven hoof cud chewing animals and right. we all kind of look at each other like oh they have what a special term for that them? And he said, ruminants. Yeah, and then <laughs> and you and like, I are both like, well, don't, don't it's not, not just, just hunters. hunters. <laughs> <laughs> but the man with the gold suit had nothing to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. David used to like pepperoni pizza, but now he walks uprightly. Pork can carry trichinosis. Mm, uh-huh. Gross. Larva. And I'm thinking like, okay, well, what about like salmonella and chicken? Or what about mad cow disease? Right. Yeah. I mean, of course, those are all animal things, but... But he was like pointing out that pork in particular is extra is dangerous. Particularly. It is true that there are some animals with whom we're more genetically similar, so the zootropic diseases are like mm. more common, right? Okay. And I think with pigs, we are a little more similar because I know that when I would go and visit ag schools, they would make you put on masks when you went in the pig barn but not with the cows because mm-hmm. we could transmit to the pigs and the pigs could transmit to us a lot okay. more easily right. so there's sense. that oh yeah okay this is one of my favorite moments david was trying to make an illustration of how just because you like something doesn't mean oh. it's good for you <laughs> yes okay i know goes, where this is going he goes uh so for example who here likes the smell of gas and, and carrie excitedly I, oh, I shoots her hand hands. up oh i love the smell of petrol oh yes that's me and he raises his hands as if, you know, to say me no too. No one else in the hall. Yeah. Okay. There's like 60 people here. It's just me and Dave raising our hands. <laughs> and he looks around and he's like, just me and Carrie? <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Uh, huh. He really looked like he was like, oh my God, we're the only two crazy people here. Boy. We're going to get a lot of messages online now from people telling us they love the love smell the of gas. Smell of gas. Well, I was telling Drew this story and he was like, oh, I like the smell of gas. So, whew. okay. Cool. So other people like Vindication. the smell of gas. Thank God. That sounds very interesting, Carrie, but... I am very interesting. You are. Let's say I need to listen to something else interesting. Where can I find uh, more interesting audio well, content? Well, well, first of all, I'm offended. But if mm-hmm. you must listen to something besides me... Okay. I recommend anything from MaximumFun.org. Our show comes out typically monthly, mm-hmm. but there's all kinds of other shows releasing episodes every week. Yeah, like this one. What's the deal with Brexit? Have you seen Happy Valley yet? How do British people pronounce Edinburgh, Leicester, or Norwich? Not like that. Are you tired of getting your world news from reliable sources, often with no puns or sexual innuendo? Why was there a butcher's hat haunting Coronation Street? What's Coronation Street, and why is Dave Holmes obsessed with it? International Waters pairs a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture battle royale. Join us once a fortnight to hear the best comedians in the world trade jokes and stories and maybe even learn something at the same time. International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Dave goes through a lot of the Levitical law and then talks about seafood. If it has fins and scales, the Bible says it's okay, but everything else that creepeth and crawleth under the sea is an abomination. Mm-hmm. So he has us list all these different fish types, and we all shout out every name of every fish we can think of. <laughs> right. Yeah, so like, don't be eating those shrimps and or someone, those lobsters. Someone says bluegill. He's like, yeah, what about whitegill? Because <laughs> our friend Gil Ricketts is uh, a white man. We all laughed at that. 
Catfish are an abomination. They have no scales. They're bottom feeders. Oh, and then he says, there was even this Loma Linda scientist who made a book of the best fish to eat. (laughs) And they said, if you lose the book, just remember, only fish with fins and scales. Oh, yeah. Like, okay, well, this sounds suspicious because Loma Linda has this big Seventh-day Adventist operation. Right. They are a Seventh-day Adventist hospital and school. But yeah, I guess the U.S. Navy had commissioned this particular study. Oh, yeah. Also, oysters can take away deadly pollutants from the sea and the water so he's like you Where don't do want to those eat, go don't you don't want to eat oysters because do you really want to eat something that can take away deadly pollutants and mm-hmm. i'm thinking okay what about leaves yeah yeah fair point <laughs> and similarly he was saying to catch a crab they use rotting fish do you want to eat something that just ate some rotting fish and carrie whispers i use poop to fertilize my own plants <laughs> yeah it's true <laughs> Oh, yeah. Then he said that. Oh, my gosh. He said pigs will eat their own feces and each other's dead bodies. No. <laughs> and Carrie leaned over. She's like, that is not true. Not true. I worked on an animal sanctuary. I slept with pigs. I hugged pigs every not gosh darn day. Right. Correct. I, I mean, I'm sure there are instances of that happening, just like there are instances of humans eating humans. But right. no, they don't go around eating each other's dead bodies or their own poo. Good God. He said, none of you struggle with eating unclean birds, but here they are. And he had like a, a <laughs> list of unclean birds that we shouldn't be eating. Okay. Like carrion birds. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, yeah. And then he said, in some Asian countries, they eat mice. It's pretty gross. I've never seen an American eat mice. <laughs> okay. All right, Dave. Next, we move on to wine. Wine is a mocker. Proverbs 20, verse 1 tells us. Makes you look foolish. Although then he goes to Proverbs 23, 31 to 35, which mm-hmm. seems to be more of just an admonition against red wine. But Yeah, okay. look thou not upon the wine when it is red. Yeah. So God mm-hmm. prefers like a rosé. Yeah, exactly. And then he says, okay, now you're probably thinking Jesus turned water Yeah, what into about wine. that? Jesus was cool with it. But Jesus's wine was probably an unfermented grape juice. Yeah, he went into this. He's like, you know, there were six water pots and history tells us that they each held 120 to 180 gallons or total that's how much it was and that's just too much wine no one could drink all of that did jesus intend everyone to get sloppy drunk i don't think so so wine can just mean grape juice look look at the context okay yeah dave he wasn't talking like that right right right. but dave you are fooling yourself at this time (laughs) you are being a mocker of thine self (laughs) also this is a great moment to mention one of my favorite facts that i got from harry lucas who is a mentalist from Vienna, who I met when I did my TEDx Vienna talk. Is this an amazing fact? It is an amazing fact. So when he went to Le Louvre in Paris, he saw a new exhibition of uh, magic artifacts that they just brought in. And one was from Jesus's era. And it is a magic trick (gasps) that is a spout that turns water into wine. From Jesus's time. From Jesus's time. What? Yeah, it is. It is a pitcher that you pour water in, and like a different compartment, you pour <gasps> wine in. And yep, and you could pour water in, and what? wine would come out. Wow. Yep. Jesus done fooled everyone. And now that's really interesting. Now, usually when people share stories about the plagues of Egypt or talk about the miracles of Jesus walking on the water, like they'll try to go in and do this explanation of how someone could have faked that. Uh-huh. And that's where I always kind of stop and say, okay, that's a great exercise. But at the same time, the story itself could have just been made, made up. up. So, you know, we shouldn't work too hard Uh trying to find like, oh, this is the explanation. But for that, wow. 
Yeah, that's, right? That's pretty major. Okay, here we learn that it's bad to be an alcoholic. It affects the frontal lobe. Dave himself used to drink, and he did stupid things. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. Then he starts like telling us his drinking stories. And they're the same as anyone's drinking stories, except they're sure. like pretty light. They're uh-huh. like not even that dark of drinking stories, but he's saying them with a sad tone. One time I got drunk at this Sammy Hagar concert. And another time I was drunk at a bar and I used a payphone for too long and it messed up someone's pool game. (laughs) I just felt so foolish in the morning. Whoa. What tales, David. (laughs) My God. The life you've lived. He said the two things stopped him. One, being saved. And two, he once saw himself drunk on video. All right. But you know what we learned here? He's 50. 50. Yeah, it's looking good. Looking great. Yeah, he could have taken guessed. ten years off of that, and I would have been like, okay, yeah, forty. Mm-hmm. It's being Seventh Day Adventist, the yeah. lifestyle. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I believe that's true. Yeah, this comes up later in the talk, but uh, he lets us know that Seventh Day Adventists do live longer on average. That's true. And it's absolutely true. Yeah, they live. I think it's about seven years. That's significant. This is wonderful. Smoking is prohibited in the Bible. Did you know that? Mm, is it? Yes, it is because. The Bible says, thou shall not kill, and smoking is suicide on the installment plan. Why are you blinking at me like I've just said something ludicrous? <laughs> that, that is so ridiculous. <laughs> now, it's not ridiculous to say it's irresponsible to smoke when people love you. But it to is... try to make scripture support yes. a ban on smoking by pointing to thou shalt not kill. That's ridiculous. It's like when people try to show that their particular philosophy is so insightful. Mm-hmm. My philosophy says that love is good. <laughs> you know, you're like, wow. Man, there is nothing new under the sun, Carrie. <laughs> nothing new under the sun. I mean, like, I'm glad that does something for you, but don't pretend like that's some unique statement. So he gives uh, all these statistics about why smoking is bad, but I think we all know that by now. Smoking shortens your life by 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smoking's very bad. You shouldn't do it. I don't do it. You don't do it. Best Good. way to stop, don't start. Okay, so here we got to a moment where Carrie was really excited because Dave starts suggesting that there is a number one drug that oh. we all use every day. And Carrie is just I like, I know what it is. First thing I know what he's going to say. What did he say? What's the most used drug in America? And he's like, I know a lot of you aren't going to like this. And I was like, oh, I know what it's going to be. It's going to be <laughs> caffeine. Oh, it's, caffeine. It's, it's caffeine. caffeine. it's caffeine. It's caffeine. She it's said caffeine. as if she had had way caffeine. too much it's caffeine. caffeine. <laughs> I, I probably had. Listen, I'm a big fan of hot drinks. Uh-huh. I used to not be able to drink caffeine. Yeah, you're very caffeine sensitive. Yes. So I used to not be able to drink it. And if, if I don't take a migraine medicine, I can't take it. This is very oh, complicated. Okay. But anyway, now that I take a migraine medicine, it kind of dulls me a little bit. And mm-hmm. I'm not as sensitive to caffeine as I used to be. Ah. So now I can take caffeine. It's a wonderful turn of events. So now I can drink my coffees. I can drink my caffeinated teas. I drink them all the time. I drink them all day. And so I'm like, it's caffeine. It's my favorite thing. It's caffeine. I can't wait for you to say it. I can't wait for you to call me a sinner. It's caffeine. It's caffeine. It's caffeine. And then what was it, Ross? It was caffeine. It was caffeine. (laughs) (laughs) He lets us know a third of an ounce is fatal. This stuff is serious. A third of an ounce is fit. What, if injected? I guess so. Yeah, because a third of an ounce is not fatal if you drink it. I like he said, have you ever heard someone say, hey, man, you got a carrot? (laughs) 
So <laughs> the things that are good for us don't have these addictive qualities. Right. He talked about one boy who drank three and a half energy drinks and then tried to play basketball and died. Yeah. Yeah. That's energy drinks story. can be really dangerous. I'll tell you this, even though I'm basically doing a PSA for caffeine right now, mm-hmm. I will only drink like one drink at a time and I will never drink energy drinks because they're scary. You can drink, you can overdose on an energy drink really? too Ooh. fast. Okay. Too fast. Yeah. Be, be warned. No, thanks. But um, look, just drink more water. Okay. It's the best drink for us. That's true too. Then we learned that 75% of American men are overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. Almost as many women. Then he said one of my favorite misuses of the word literally (laughs) that I've literally ever heard. (laughs) I wrote it down in all caps and underlined it. Yes, what what does he say? He says... We are literally digging our graves with forks, forks and, and spoons. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful no, image. No, no, we we aren't. We are literally no not one, doing that. No one is doing that. <laughs> <laughs> scoop, 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 scoop. He told us I hope about not doing it on Saturday. <laughs> he told us about uh, Super Size Me, the documentary, uh-huh. in case no one had seen it. Right. Which is misleading in some very crucial ways. Uh-huh. You can live but healthily still, on McDonald's food. You can what? You can live a healthy life on McDonald's food. Probably not every meal, but yeah. Yeah, it's not a great idea to eat McDonald's all the time. Right, right. But, but yeah. yeah, it's a little misleading. But I do appreciate Morgan Spurlock's uh, brand of gonzo journalism. It's something oh, we yeah. do too. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And he told us about uh, the whole anecdote about the fries not decaying. Uh-huh. It's like, all right, that's also kind of misleading. Like, oh, look at this burger. It's not turning bad. Okay, yeah, there's preservatives. But also, as long as it doesn't have any active fungus or uh-huh. uh, mold growing on it, you know, it's going to be okay. There are many things you can leave out that will look A-OK after a long time. Sure. Health is part of the last day message, Ross. That's right. Because... Your body should be ready. Because you might be thinking, what does this have to to do do with prophecy? (laughs) Aren't I at a prophecy seminar? I like that he at least attempted to tie it in. Yeah. And he said, you are. You are indeed at a prophecy (laughs) seminar. But I must say, even though he's right, this doesn't feel like it tied in. I was really enjoying this talk. I was like, this is one of the better ones. Absolutely. We were both excited for this one. He shows us in 1 Corinthians, it talks about our body being the temple of God. If you destroy the temple, God will destroy you. And you're also preparing to live in heaven where our bodies will be perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, okay. Oh, I was waiting for this the whole time. I was thinking, what are you going to say about Peter's vision in Acts 10? I'm sure all of our listeners were like, (laughs) what's he going to say about Acts 10, 9 through 14 and 28? I was certainly whispering that to Carrie. So he did address it as a fence post. You do sometimes, you'll whisper to me things that I'm like, what, what, what? What's he going to say about Acts 19, 24 to 20? What? What are you saying? very specific thing that you're trying to communicate to me. (laughs) So Peter, uh, yes, that Peter, had gone to visit this man who was not a Jew, and he went upstairs up to the rooftop when he was visiting, and God presented this man's house. Oh. Cornelius, I think it was. Up on the rooftop, God presents this vision, and he lowers down a sheet, and on this sheet are all of these unclean animals. Animals, yeah. Pigs and, you know, all these bears. A a shrimp, a walking shrimp. (laughs) Stuff you're not supposed to eat. Right. And the vision says, take, eat. Rise, Peter, kill and eat, right? Yeah, Yeah. I think you're right. And then Peter's like, but God, you know, I'm not supposed to eat that stuff. It's it's not allowed. And God says, 
don't refuse what I offer to you. And so... So you might be thinking, well, hang on, this changes everything. Yeah, like, okay, this is now clearly an offer for you to now eat whatever you need to. And that's what a lot of Christians take from this. These kosher laws have gone away. Yeah, yeah. when when I told my dad about this lecture, that was his first response. Like, well, what about Peter's vision? Yeah, we're allowed to eat those things now. Uh, uh, Uh-uh-uh. No, 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 no. By the way, the sheet, much like the earth... Had four corners, I noticed. <laughs> Gog and Magog, <laughs> the four corners of the earth. Oh, which a couple people have tweeted at me to let me know the skull and crossbones are named yes. Gog and Magog. I think we actually knew this. I, no, I didn't know this. Oh, okay, uh, yeah. I heard that In before. the secret society, skull and crossbones, the least sexually experienced person is whatever I chose. I think it was Gog. And the most sexually experienced yes! person is Magog. Magog. Yeah, that's probably, right. uh, that's probably true. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got married when you were 18, so I, sure. Yeah, D- Dave says, now look. Clearly, God was giving a message to him about preaching to the Gentiles. And so this was all metaphorical. Now, this is the explanation I was given in church as well. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And I remember at the time being like, what? Why? Does How this confusing mean can that? you be, God? Yeah. That God, okay. Why? If God's message was like, no, 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 you can bring the message to all people. I know. I'll send him a vision of some animals on a sheet and tell him to kill them. <laughs> what? But do you think maybe after that he'll try to eat non-kosher food? No, he wouldn't. No, obviously no, no, no. it's he'll a message about Gentiles. No, when I give him this bloody barbaric message, he'll obviously conclude that he should be friends with everyone. Now I will have, there'll probably be like a goat and I'll have it like, it'll attack to the north and then it'll attack to the west and then it'll attack to the south. I think that'll like clear Gog it up. Like Gog and Magog. That'll clear it up for him too. <laughs> I think we've learned in all of these lectures that God is not the best communicator. He is terrible at clarity. (laughs) Because the the proof is in the pudding. Look at all of these generations of people who have been led astray by these messages. Right. Yeah. If you're God, you should know how this is going to play. If nothing else, everyone has interpreted things differently. There's been no consistency. Bible's not doing a good job of clearing up those disputes. Then we go on to hear about 1 Timothy 5.23, which says Mm -hmm. to drink wine for the belly, like if you have a stomach ache. Here's another fence post. How do you deal with that? Oh, boy. Well, don't worry, Ross. You can get the same benefits from grape juice. There's a lot of health in grape juice. You don't need it fermented. And then we just move on. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Yep, yep. That might be true. True, but still, why did the Bible recommend wine if we're now being told that it's evil to drink alcohol? Right. So here's where he mentions National Geographic's Blue Zones, the people who live extra long. So there's the Okinawans, the Sardinians, and the Adventists. They live longer. Yeah. And then National Geographic gave some tips that like all of these groups have in common for how to live a longer life. Don't smoke, exercise, uh, have a social circle, have a family, have a plant-based diet. Stay socially active. Don't retire. Stay engaged with your family. Move around a lot. Uh, Have a fiber-rich cereal for breakfast. I thought that was interesting. Hmm. Get at least six hours of sleep, which dear God, that's so little. That's enough. Oh my God. Eat whole foods and basically live like a Seventh-day Adventist. That was actually the last item yes. literally on the list. Yeah. That, we actually just combined the National Geographic tips and the Washington Post tips. So we're these were two different articles. But. Fake news. <laughs> That's when we talked about how there are prohibited foods, acceptable yeah. foods, and preferred foods. And the vegetarian diet is the preferred diet. Yeah, that's God's preferred diet is that you eat vegetarian. Now, did you know, Ross, that before humans ate meat, they lived for 900 years on average? Yeah, like Methuselah, 969 years, that guy. Now, you'd think then, 
Because now there are generations of people growing up vegetarian from birth. If that's the only thing, why aren't they just living 900 years? I love that the earth is only 6,000 years old and you have like single individuals living (laughs) 900 years. You would just have like six generations of people. (laughs) It all works out though. But like I haven't eaten meat since I was four. You'd think I'd make it to at least like 700, right? Yeah, you should live a very long time. All right, we'll see. You don't have the antediluvian canopy protecting you. The canopy? Mm-hmm. I know this is funny. I know what antediluvian means, but uh-huh. I don't know what you mean by canopy. <laughs> I learned about this in my Bob Jones textbook in high school. So before the flood, all mm-hmm. of that water was above the earth, you know, when God separated the right. waters above from the waters below. Okay. And so there was this thick layer of water constantly overhead. And that's why no one had ever seen a rainbow before. Okay. And that was protecting us from radiation from the sun. And that's uh, why we all live longer. Wow. Amazing fact. Okay, so it didn't have anything to do with meat, according to Bob Jones. Right. Okay, right, because, of course, Bob Jones loves the meat. It was shielding from radiation. Okay. And, and that's probably why they didn't notice that the sun was missing until uh, day four of creation right. when God decided to make the sun. Wow, that is fascinating. <laughs> now, is there any rain in the Bible? How does rain fit into that? The first time was the flood. That's when rain came. Really? There's no discussion of rain before the flood? No, that that would have been a totally new phenomenon to them. That's why they all laughed. Like, what are you talking about? Water came from below, from the geysers, Ah. from the deeps, and it came from above, from the canopy. That's something else. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Um, there was a there was a clip of Bill Clinton, and oh my goodness, did he set that oh up? Like, oh boy! Now look, everybody, I'm going to show a clip of a of a former president, and it's, it's remember we don't get political here. It has nothing to do with policies, whether they're good or bad. It's just this is a very interesting clip. Anyway, so Bill Clinton went essentially vegan. Yeah, and uh, he also Dave recommended. Uh, Forks Over Knives. He's like, it's a secular movie, but I recommend it. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. David was very impressed when I told him I have a couple of friends who are in Forks Over Knives. Ah. And they don't play major roles or anything. They're just in scenes where people are like having vegan potlucks. It's basically B-roll. But my friends knew the filmmaker and have a vegan family. So it's them and their kids mm-hmm. eating. Oh, my gosh. He was so impressed by that. Ah. It was very sweet. I think he felt very like Hollywood talking to me about that. <laughs> they gave us an extra booklet that night. Amazing. Health. Yes. Eight Bible Secrets. I have that here. Eight Bible Secrets for a Longer and Stronger Life. I should read that. You should. I feel like your life is getting shorter and shorter every day you live. So David says, a statement I'd agree with, genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. I think that's, that's fair. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a, a good description. Yeah. Accurate description. And then he said, I really agree with this. If uh, we only knew how, how they treat, treat animals, animals. Yeah. it might cause us all to change our diets. I wish this had been a bigger focus in the talk because for me, like, that's the big issue. But yeah, I was glad he gave a little note. And he played again that photo of him branding the cow. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Hello. And then he gave the old joke that every vegetarian has heard his or her whole life mm-hmm. uh, that someone asked him once, are you a vegetarian because you love animals or because you hate plants? Uh, <laughs> right, Classic. right. But um, we learned that in Philippians 4.13, it tells us we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Even not eating meat. So then we had our final prayer. David didn't kneel for that final prayer. He usually kneels. I, I wrote here, doesn't kneel. Yeah, yeah that, that is rare. Yeah, there were yeah. a few times. Yeah, maybe his knees hurt. And we are we are encouraged, by the way, I, I didn't mention this, to have a new start. And he actually gave this acrostic for new start. Nutrition, exercise, water. That's new, if you're following along. <laughs> Sunshine, temperance, Temper. air, rest. Air. 
and finally gets some air. Trusting God. That's the, the other <laughs> team. Really stretching at the end there. And then Lowell, as we were all shuffling out, uh-huh. Lowell came up to us, gave us some of his famous breakfast cookies, and quietly said to you and me, you guys are my favorites. <gasps> That's right. So sweet. And uh, said that he does play favorites. Yeah, breakfast in pew. We felt pretty spiffy. And we are. <laughs> now, Ross, you made... <laughs> this amazes me, because, okay, we've known each other for six or seven years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you borrowed animal liberation from me. Uh-huh. You've heard my animal rights speeches. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, mm-hmm. But this talk... <laughs> pushed you over the line this is a little embarrassing too because everybody as soon as i tell them about this they want to know like what did it for you (laughs) okay so i know i love this i want to give you okay i want sorry go ahead okay so yeah i've known carrie for years and have many other vegan friends and i am totally sold on the ethical arguments of not eating animals also the environmental argument you know so much water and other land yeah and fossil fuels all of that goes into the production of meat and we lose so much energy and really hurt the environment and plants because you have to feed the plants to the animals absolutely yeah you lose like 90 percent of the energy that goes into production of the meat at least so i was convinced of all of that and i was trying strategically to lessen my meat intake and so for the past i don't know three four years i've been keeping a daily log every time I eat like how much meat content there is to kind of shame myself into eating <laughs> less and less meat. So it's kind Don't of reward yourself. But I'll I'll get weak from time to time or if I'm feeling lazy like I'll eat more meat and then I feel bad about it. So we listen to this lecture and I think hey if they can be vegetarian for their reasons, which are maybe a little kooky, why can't I be vegetarian for my reasons? Which are good. Why can't I be consistent with my own morals? And so I decided at this lecture, I'm going vegetarian. That's amazing. <laughs> now that we're talking about this, 56 days ago, this All happened, right. but haven't eaten a lick of meat since. Oh, congratulations. Well, thank you. I wanted to get you like a uh, ask me why I'm vegetarian pin <laughs> or something because I would love to see you having to have the conversation. I've of- been telling everyone this story. Yeah, yeah I went to a Seventh-day Adventist, Seventh Adventist lecture. Adventist lecture. That's what me to, but it was, it was very motivating for me. <laughs> yeah, good. In a good way, like I listening mean, to this. Also, I guess you could tell it the other way, like, well, I'm vegetarian because of these ethical reasons, but this put I me like over the this, edge. this story more. Clearly is what actually... Actually uh, made me make the jump. So uh, congratulations! Thank you. Yeah, but yeah, uh, so far so great. This has been totally fine. Really, haven't noticed anything different. Just occasionally have to refuse something or avoid something. Right. This is a side note that has nothing to do with our uh, show. But yeah, I think it's so important to think of these things like not in terms of all or nothing because yes, because right. if you ask all or nothing of people. Or of yourself, most of the time you'll get nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yes, yeah. right. If you still want to eat meat once a week, that is much better than eating it every day. Yeah, or any fraction thereof is is going to be an improvement. So I agree. The all or nothing strategy doesn't work for most. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't work, work for, most for some. I mean, like you know, I know a lot of people who like that's how they keep their motivation is being purist about it. Right. There are definitely people like that, and I might be actually a little closer to that. But for most people. It doesn't work. So know who you are and deal with that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This has been fine. And what I've learned is that I can be vegetarian almost all the time and it's great. That's rad. Congrats. Thank you. I will say there was one scriptural argument I was really surprised that David did not use during this talk about vegetarianism and healthy eating. All right. Oh, yes. Daniel. Yeah. Because it's from the book of Daniel. 
that this whole prophecy series started with. Yes. In Daniel 1, you have Daniel and his buddies, and they are being asked to eat the meat that's offered to the idols. And they're like, oh, no, no, we don't do that. We don't eat meat that's offered to idols. That's bad. And so he says to the supervisor, essentially, hey, let us, me and my buddies, let us eat just vegetables for 10 days. And we'll Uh see how we look afterward. And so they do that. And they are the buffest and most beautiful looking among all the men. Right. And so that is a very strong scriptural, you know, nod towards vegetarian eating. Right. And so I came up to... And it's never mentioned. Right. And so I came up to David afterwards and I said, hey, I'm just surprised you didn't use that example. Seems so, so clear. And he said, you know what? Actually, that was like in the original outline and I just decided not to use that particular one. But you're right. That's it. That is a really good one. I'll make a note of that. And it is actually mentioned in these handouts that we give. And sure enough, we looked at the handout and it starts out with Daniel 1. So there it is. Yeah, that seems... Seems like a weird one to leave out. I remember as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, Daniel, because the Christian Vegetarian Association, which is a group I belonged to back in the day, mm-hmm. um, they love, of course, the Daniel that story. diet. Yeah. yeah, that's what they call it, the Daniel diet. And I'm just looking at their website right now, which is still up, all-creatures.org. And I'm remembering... I think I had an email address at this website. I think I was Carrie at allcreatures.org really? like 10 years ago. Yeah. Anyway. Sounds like an exciting website, Carrie. Thank you. You know, it is a good website, but it's not gorgeous. What What if I wanted to make a website about my new vegetarian lifestyle? Mm, I think you should use Squarespace because, you know, Ono, Ross and Carrie is supported in part by Squarespace. I could create a beautiful website or even an online store with award winning designer templates. You can create a beautiful website with Squarespace's all in one platform. There's nothing to install. You don't have to um, right. upgrade it ever. It's it's just a very easy interface face even if you're nervous and you've never created a website before this will all explain itself and if it doesn't you've got award-winning 24 7 customer support at your beck and call squarespace offers a unique domain experience it's fully transparent it's simple to set up whatever you want your website to be maybe you want it to be ross and mm-hmm. ross and carrie are gorgeous melissa scott's followers are buying that domain right, right now <laughs> probably <laughs> it's available they'll help you get it So make your next move with Squarespace. For a free trial and 10% off of your first purchase, visit squarespace.com slash ohno, O-H-N-O, and that will get you, again, 10% off of your first purchase. All right, all right, all right. Well, that's it for our show. Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton. Our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer. You can support what we do at MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. And you can also follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash OnRack. See some pictures there. Interact with us. There's a pretty lovely community of people there who chatteroo. Yeah, like us. Also go to iTunes and give us a positive rating there. That really helps us to to be discovered, and any other podcast service that you use. Maybe you use Stitcher. Maybe you do. I don't know. And remember... From Amazing Health Facts, 8 Bible Secrets for a Longer and Stronger Life. Few marine animals are as mysterious, hypnotic, and intimidating as jellyfish. These bizarre, gelatinous creatures are 97% water and quite transparent, hence the name jellyfish. At first glance, it's amazing that they're living at all. They have no heart, no blood, no gills, bones, or cartilage. 
Scientists have determined that some jellies have eyes that can detect light, which is amazing when you consider they don't have a brain. Jellyfish move up and down by using special muscles to draw water into the bell and then push it out again. Yet they really have no choice where they're going. They're basically carried about whichever way the wind and water current moves them. But unlike the jellyfish, God gave man a brain and the power of choice. Hey guys, this is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what? Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show, and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.